This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. I'm your host, Charlie McDermott. Welcome to episode number one of the Good Neighbor Podcast. Our featured guest today is Dr. France of France Eye Care. Dr. France, welcome to the show. It is a great pleasure and an honor to be here. Well, Dr. France, thank you, but the honor is all mine now. Our listeners, I know, are eager to hear about the great things you guys are doing over at France Eye Care. Share, please. What our company is about is uh, to improve the eyesight and the eye care for for all of our patients. What we base our, some of the things that we work on most is number one, always making sure that we're taking kind and compassionate care of our patients. And so our relationship with the patients and our service towards the patients and the patient's experience in our practice is a very, very, very significant importance to us. But the other thing that we're also deeply committed to is uh, assessing our outcomes using you know a lot of different metrics and key performance indicators with the goal of making sure that we can look at our outcomes and feel confident that we are providing people with the best outcomes. And part of that involves several different things. Number one, uh, we've got the best technology, the most advanced technology. We never spare any expense when we think that there's a technology that will help us take better care of our patients or provide better outcomes. We've always kind of been at the forefront of that. So for example, I did the first bladeless LASIK procedure in Southwest Florida. I did the first laser vision correction in the state of Florida, and I've done uh, the first uh, laser cataract surgery in Southwest Florida. And we've done a lot of, we have a lot of firsts, which have been something from a technology standpoint that's been important. And you know, the other thing is that we've committed ourselves to making sure that we are a multi-specialty practice. So in many instances, when someone goes into another practice and they may only do one thing, our specialty involves more than just eye exams. It involves cataract surgery. There are retina specialists. There are glaucoma specialists. There are eyelid specialists. There are cornea specialists. And so those are very, very different. You would think that it's just one, one eye but in reality, there are so many different aspects to it that have become very highly specialized that enables us to provide people with the highest level of care for any of their conditions. And so we've dedicated ourselves to becoming a multi-specialty practice, which means that we have fellowship trained specialists in all of those areas. And so as opposed to what might happen in another practice where if you, you're having cataract surgery and we find you have a retina problem, that means you need to go into another office, fill out all the paperwork, try to make a relationship with another doctor, and then it becomes equally confusing in terms of which appointment do you go to, where did this bill come from, how many times do I have to fill out the same paperwork and submit my insurance card. And so we're able to do that you know, across the spectrum where people don't have to do that because we have all of what we consider to be really outstanding specialists under one roof, if you will. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's really powerful. And, you know, from the technology standpoint, I, for one, understand the significance between, I, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, and, and as you can see, and I'm, for our listeners, the, the doctor and I can see each other via video, 
uh, I do wear glasses and I had very good care in Pennsylvania, but um, the technology wasn't necessarily the most advanced. And therefore, I got to be honest with you, some of my appointments were just painful. I mean, yeah. They weren't a whole lot of fun. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be that way. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I mean, I certainly understand the concept that some practitioners have where they're trying to keep the overhead low, spend as less, a little money as they can and try to, you know, use what they have, which may have been contemporary treatment 15 or 20 years yeah. ago. Yeah. But I mean, if you're here and you're sitting in 2020, do you want to have a surgery that was contemporary in 1985? I mean, yeah. I mean, I have a, you know, I had a cell phone when they <laughs> first came out. And if yeah. you remember what they looked like, I mean, they were contraptions. They were very good at dropping calls. Yeah. And, um, and, and the, the contraption was rather large. Now we have these cell phones 20 years later. They're small. They've got internet. We've got all sorts of apps and things that we can do, photographs. And I don't know anybody who would trade in their existing cell phone for one that's 20 years old. And yet unknowingly, we have many patients who go into offices who don't realize that they're making a similar trade with their most precious sense, most people would say, which is the vision. So Dr. France, why did you become an eye doctor? What led you in this direction? Well, it's kind of interesting. My uncle was an ophthalmologist in Miami Beach, and he and his partner were the first ones to put in intraocular lens implants in the state of Florida, which at the time was very, very controversial. Now it's, it's virtually everybody who has cataract surgery gets an intraocular lens implant. But at the time, it was, it was not well accepted. And so they went through and kind of fought this battle uh, on many levels until they were able to, to get that done. But their practice was there, and it was a, a large practice since you know the 1960s. And so I was kind of exposed to it in that way. And then as I worked my way through medical school, and there were many different things that I really liked, and I knew that I wanted to do surgery, and when I looked at you know things that I could do, I, I gravitated toward things that were high technology and that would allow us to get people a rapid return of vision and to truly improve their lifestyles. And so you know, the more interested I got in it, the more... I felt that it was kind of a remarkable way for us to really change people's lives. When you take somebody who's not been able to see and you, you make it so that they can, it is, it is something that is, you know, in some respects priceless because how, what is the value of your vision? I mean, it's, it's hard to put a value on it if you don't have it. Yes, priceless for sure. So Dr. France, what about myths? What kind of myths are there? What do you hear in your industry? Well, uh, we have a whole host of interesting things that people think. Sometimes people think that when they're having surgery, that they're going to see the instruments coming at them. That is not true. Some people think because they have difficulty, you know, touching their eye or they can't put a contact lens on their eye, that they won't be able to tolerate surgery which is not true because with the anesthesia we give people, most people feel nothing and there's certainly no pain. And then, you know, some of the other things that we'll sometimes hear that, that may sound somewhat maybe preposterous, but at the same time, some people believe it. 
I've had some people who are convinced that when we do cataract surgery, we actually take their eye out of their head, remove the cataract, and then once we've done that, we put it back in. And of course, I've always said, wouldn't that be great if we could do drive-through cataract surgery? Drop it off in the morning, come back, and where you know, and it sees. But uh, one eye at a time. One eye at a time. Yeah, well, you wouldn't want to do that for both. So. Um, you know, I think those are some of the most common things. You know, I think there are kind of a host of things depending on, you know, what someone's background might be, et cetera. Okay, Doc, let's take a look at off hours. What are you doing in your free time? Uh, well, I'm very lucky that uh, despite the fact that I have really truly been a workaholic, and to me it's kind of a 24-7, 365, I can't, I personally can't do things part-time. I have to do them full-time or I just can't, I can't do it at the level that I really want to want to be, want to do it at. And so despite the fact that I'm usually working a lot and I send people emails, texts about business Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, and, uh, but there are a couple of things that I'm really lucky about. Number one, I have a family, wife and children who tolerate me which they may be the most valuable of all of them. My beautiful wife, Jennifer, and all of my kids, they seem to tolerate me, and, and they are able to also tolerate my sense of humor, which is always a good thing. Um, I, in terms of hobbies, I, will, I like to uh, kind of exercise. We like to travel. Uh, I like to spend time what, on my weekends when I'm not doing something that's involving business. That doesn't mean I'm in here seeing patients, but I'm reading or studying. So I usually try, I don't, I like to do things with the family. I don't like to do things with outside people because this really the, my first priority is to make sure that I'm always spending time with them. The other thing that I do is I am hoping to get my instrument rating as a pilot. So I have a check ride coming up on Sunday with a guy who's a very, very intelligent uh, FAA flight examiner. He's, I've known him for a long time. He's one of the smartest guys I know. And he's promised me that he's going to be very hard on me. So uh, I don't know if I'll get my instrument rating on Sunday, but I do have a check ride coming up. But I do enjoy flying and going different places. And if I can uh, hop in a plane and fly from Pagefield to Key West, mm -hmm. be there in an hour, mm -hmm. have breakfast and hang out for the day, and then fly back, as opposed to driving for six or seven hours. That's, that's something that I really like doing. And then I'll also fly over to the East Coast because my parents are both over there and I'll have breakfast with them. Or sometimes fly into different areas for so for various ideas, I do enjoy, you know, sports, watching sports, football in particular, which hopefully will have some. Who's your team? So, so flying to some of the, some of the games would be good. I've been, I've been a hurricane fan. Ah, okay. rather, rather painful these last few yeah. years. So <laughs> I'm not really sure. Um, it's been hard, but a fan's a fan. You always got to keep rooting for your team. Yep. Yep. Hope springs eternal, as you know. So. I'm a long-suffering Philadelphia Eagles fan, and we finally got rewarded after 50 years of very painful uh, football. So <laughs> that was that was an outstanding that game. What an outstanding game that was! That was very exciting. 
That was yeah. they're really, you know, they're they've got a team there that's going to be good here for a while. You know, yeah. the last year obviously was a little bit of an aberration for them, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're we're hoping for that dynasty. We, we're due, but yeah. no we'll problem. take the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. that will last us another fifty years if we have to. Yeah, <laughs> but it's always good to get the get the first one. Yeah. Okay, I like this theme of hardship. Certainly, uh, us Philadelphia Eagles fans have had their share of hardship. But, Doctor, can you describe one hardship that you've had that you rose above? Um, well, the first thing I wanted to say for your listeners is there is not a single person who has not under had to endure significant adversity and hardship. I actually don't know a single person who's been successful who hasn't who hasn't overcome incredible, almost crushing adversity and has managed to get through it. So I think it's an important lesson for anybody who's listening out there is to recognize that no matter how bad a break that you've gotten through no fault of your own, mm. you can persist and come back if you stay focused and you stay positive and you're prepared, you're always preparing yourself for the opportunities that come in front of you. I've had many adversities. The first adversity was when my parents got divorced when I was 13. That was not uh, a wonderful experience. The financial crisis in 2007, 2008, that was very, very difficult. And then lastly, and perhaps most prominently would be the coronavirus, which has substantially impacted virtually every aspect of our lives, personal, professional, financial, you know, where we are currently in a situation where we're not able to see anything other than emergent patients or do surgery on anything that is not considered emergent. And so, you know, having to balance a lot of different things. Uh, I've got almost 200 employees. They want to get paid. And we want those. And so fighting for them, because it's been my philosophy that I don't want to lay off any of the employees, because if they need it, they need us now more than they than they ever have. And so we're doing a lot of different things and making sacrifices. I'm not taking any salary. And a lot of people are making sacrifices and so that we can continue to employ our entire team. Uh, Number two, we've got an obligation to our patients and it's making it really difficult. Some of them are really anxious to be treated. And as a result of some of the dictums that have come down, we are not able to do what we think are, are needed and necessary because they're considered to be quote unquote elective. And I, I don't agree when it comes to vision. It's hard for me to understand how things are really viewed in that way. Um, so, uh, and then, you know, the obligation that I have to, um, but that obligation to the patients is really a significant one. And then, you know, the obligations that I have to my providers and also my staff to make sure that in treating patients, which they desperately want to do, that we can do it in a way that we can keep them safe, we can keep our patients safe, and we can keep our the families of our our uh providers safe also because one person gets sick sometimes that can spread through the entire family so it's been a big challenge to us to constantly be digging for ways that we can make this a very very safe environment when and if things ultimately open up which i think that they will 
um, hopefully in the near future. We are here today, and I think it's April 17th. Is that right? That's part of what happens when you're not working is you lose track of days. But I think this is Friday, April 17th, and um, we're hoping that things are going to start to open up here relatively soon. There was an executive order from the governor, governor that we can't do surgery until May 9th, so that's a few weeks away, and mm -hmm. we're not able to see routine patients up until May 1st. I feel pretty good that, you know, we'll be able to do that, but I've never actually been in a situation where we had to um, literally just press the reset and start from, we're basically starting from zero. So that'll be a challenge as we move forward. Hopefully God will give us the strength to uh, persist and get through that one. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing all that. That's yeah. just amazing. And, and it's great for our good neighbor podcast listeners, uh, residents in the area to, to support local businesses. And certainly what you're doing there is admirable. Uh, mm -hmm. 200 employees. I, you know, my wife and I, we ran a uh, health club change in the chain in the Philadelphia area. And we had 300 employees and uh, I just about every day we say oh my goodness you know could, could you imagine if we still own these clubs we sold them yeah. um, you know the stress and the pressure that we'd be on and uh, so thank you for what you're doing for your employees it really um, means a lot and, and uh, you're a good man so Dr. France can you share one thing that you wish people knew about your business I think the biggest thing that I would have to say is that I don't know, you know, how people view when they go into the doctor and I've been a patient in other doctors offices and sometimes you feel cold, you feel rushed, you don't feel like you're treated as a person and um, it becomes a very perfunctory thing. And I want people to know that when it comes to our office, we are specifically geared not to do that. We deeply care about every one of the patients that we treat. There are people who have conditions that we can't fully cure. And then under those circumstances, our goal is to mitigate any damage and give them the best vision that they possibly can have. But I want them to know that everything that we always do is with the highest degree of professionalism, integrity, honesty, and for them to know that when we recommend certain things, we're not recommending them for our interests, but we're always making sure that we're recommending things that are always in our patient's best interest. And sometimes I'll have people who are coming in and want to have more expensive treatments, and I'll tell them that they shouldn't do it, even though that would be in my best interest financially, because it's not in their best interest, and that's not how we practice medicine. Dr. France, for our listeners who want to learn more about France Eye Care, where can we send them? We have several different ways. We have the phone number on mobile numbers, if you press star star 2020, that'll connect you direct, actually throughout the state. If you use that phone number, that'll connect you to our offices. Uh, our website is uh, bettervision.net. And uh, also our uh, office, local office number is 239-418-0999. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, Dr. France, I can't thank you enough for, uh, one, opening my eyes, literally, uh, about what you do and, and uh, you know, um, how well you uh, treat not only, the again, the residents of uh, the Fort Myers, Naples community, but your team members, your staff. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this. Uh, we look forward to 
talking with you soon and hearing about how things go this weekend. Uh, good luck up in the air. I appreciate that. Thank you. Right. I'm going to, I'm going to put some pressure on my flight examiner and, uh, Hopefully he'll, uh, I know he's going to be really hard on me, so I'm preparing myself for the worst, you know. <laughs> uh, you'll do great. Thank you. All right, Thank you. We appreciate you. Thanks very much for having us. Thank you for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast. To nominate your favorite local business to be featured on the show, go to goodneighborpodcast.com. That's goodneighborpodcast.com. Or call us at 239-224-4105.